and Lex. Two imperfect six-figure business coaches, co-founders, and friends who decided to combine our superpowers to bring to market something we wish we had when we entered the world of coaching. A real, non-BS, intimate, and fun community built with integrity, intention, and a few glasses of wine. In this podcast, we get real. Real about life. Business. Relationships and what it really takes to find your version of success in the world of coaching. Are you ready, Lex? I'm set, Em. Let's coach. Hey, Lex. Hey. Can I tell you something I'm kind of obsessed with? What? It rhymes with more power. Guys, if I have to hear... Emily, say core power yoga one more time. We should turn this into a drinking game. Actually, quick squirrel before I let you talk. Um, I was just talking to a member of our cohort um, who listens to this show yesterday in our, our grad session. And I told her that she needs to take a shot every time she hears me say get neutral on the show. <laughs> Well, I got neutral yesterday thinking of you. I, after I like raged against the machines, I was like, pillows, I hate you. Everything, I hate you. And I was like, Lexi would say get neutral before I send an email in response. So that's my word. And your word of the month is core power yoga. I think I have kind of an addictive personality at times. Like I'll get really addicted to one thing and then I'm done with it. Like I'm very satisfied. So in 2016 or 2015, I got really into knitting. Like I got really into knitting. I really loved knitting. I knit and I talked about knitting and then I, I found my knitting recently and I was like, yeah, huh, not really into it. And then like, I got into soul cycle. I bought the shoes for soul cycle and everything. I was, I was, I was committed. And then class pass, Believe me, like I was, I was tweeting at ClassPass to keep it unlimited. I would go every single day. I was like, that was my dream job was to work at ClassPass. And now here we are, Core Power Yoga. You had friendship bracelets? You had a face? Oh, yep. Friendship, like, mm-hmm. friendship, please. Friendship words. I think wait, words are hard. I think we've talked about this briefly, but my husband's the same way as you. He's gone through like fa- hobby phases is like how I fr- frame it. He has been let's see here. He was really, really into biking at one point and wanted to be like a long distance biker. Then he was really into gardening. And then this is like a, he's like a, he's an engineer, played football in high school. So some of these hobbies make me, make me giggle a little bit. Then he got really into running. Um, what is he into right now? Well, I don't feel like he has a lot of time to have a life right now. Golf. Golf is the thing right now. Yeah. Into golf. Golf. You know, I can totally get on the golf wagon. I was introduced to Top Golf last year. Oh my God, that was the most cathartic experience to hit balls in the middle of nowhere in winter or whatnot. I thought that was that was awesome. So I could totally get into uh into golf. But yeah, core power. I think what I like about shot, everyone shot. She said it. Yeah. (laughs) Back to core power, you know, core power, please call me. I will work for you. No, um, what I really like about it is it's it's winter here. And so like you go into the studio and it's really warm. So it kind of feels like you're going into a sauna or something like that. And then it's, but it's not so hot where a sauna, I feel like a minute for a minute and then I want to get out. Um, and then I love the fact that it's pretty fast paced, but then it also takes the time for like Savasana and child's pose. And I'm 
wouldn't say I'm a yoga person and I like the fact that I'm getting better at yoga or feel more confident in yoga poses. Well, I'd always be like, oh my God, what are they doing? What's a warrior? Who is warrior one? So anywho, what what about you, Lex? I, so first I have to crack up because this is so where my brain's at. When you say a sauna, I'm thinking of Asana, the project management tool, even though I know saunas came way before the project management tool. That's my world. Um, I am someone who grew up playing sports year round and I have dabbled in trying to find different forms of workout that I like beyond that. I like cardio and I like abs and I really <laughs> I work out of my garage. But before we get to squirrel, like you were teeing me up for the perfect transition. So I'm going to rewind because, and remember how you and CJ, my husband are hobbyists. Well, you guys have phases. Um, so you know what else has phases? Your capacity for clients can go in different phases in your business. So today we are talking talking about how to determine client capacity in coaching. Can we just say that 10 times fast? Client capacity in coaching. Client capacity in coaching. Client capacity in coaching. Client capacity in coaching. Okay, okay, okay. that's funny. Good job. You crushed it. You crushed it. Unsubscribe. (laughs) You know, right? We're like, and there goes our our three followers. (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) Um, so Lexi, what does that mean? What is, when you say, well, you say it's so beautifully fast, but what is, and how can you determine client capacity in coaching? Yeah. So first this topic came to mind because Emily and I are working with an individual who has been trying to maximize her capacity of coaching clients, meaning how many clients can she have or handle at a given point in time? All right. It sounds like a tongue twister. <laughs> Callie wants capacity for clients. How many uh, clients? <laughs> sorry, sorry. I can't help myself. It's an alliteration, a beautiful alliteration. Um, but yes. So basically, how do you know how many clients you can take on? What is your capacity? And her challenge, she's always worried that she doesn't want to undercut herself. And she also doesn't want to take on too much. So it becomes this balancing act. So today we're going to like talk about a few things to consider. And I want to kick us off with this reality, which ties back to my transition, that your threshold or your capacity can change in seasons of life and seasons of business. So what do I mean by that? what you mean by that? Maybe you're having a baby or maybe you're preparing to to have a baby or go take maternity leave or go back to maternity or go back to work post maternity leave. There's so many moments that are going to allow you more capacity and moments that you're going to be like, no, no dog. I'm fine. I've, I literally am tough. No dog. Oh yes, exactly. So first and foremost, knowing, and this is the beauty of having your own business that you get to control that threshold. That being said, how do you monitor that realistically? So one of the things that's really, really important to find your own capacity is to get very, very aware of your own energy levels. Um, And when you start to feel on the brink of overwhelm or burnout versus the flip side, you're on the brink of boredom and wanting more. So what are some ways you can start to take inventory of your energy. Yeah. So 
first off, I want to just comment that Lex and I are very different in our energy levels. Lex can do amazing work, like doing 10 things at once. I need to focus on one thing at a time to create the quality of work. I can also go further and stay up later and get up earlier. Well, Lex needs sleep, it turns out, which is crazy. You're a marathon runner. I'm the yard dash. <laughs> he is a effing sprinter. So thinking about your own your own capacity for work or how you work. And we've talked about this in other episodes before, but really taking an inventory and paying attention to moments when you're really jazzed and you're in flow. So flow is a feeling that you will have where you will start a project and you'll look at the clock and it'll be like four hours later and you are still in that project. You are still crushing it. You are still excited about what you're doing. Flow doesn't have to be four hours long. It also can be an hour long. It could be 25 minutes long. But for me personally, I find that I really, really feel the most alert and excited and competent early in the morning. So what that means when I say early in the morning, that's before noon. In the afternoon, that is the time when I can take phone calls. That's when I can hold space for people. But I do not want to be writing emails. I do not want to be reading copy for something at this point of the day. Lex, what about you? Yeah. So I think I found my capacity through trial and error. Um, There's a few different things when it comes to coaching that can affect how much energy a given client has. And I'll pin that because we'll talk about that in a second. But it took me having too many clients to realize yeah. I was, I was overboard. So what you can do ahead of time is start to post a coaching session, really take a personal step back and evaluate how you're feeling. Let's say you met with two clients that day. How are you feeling? Let's say you met with three. How are you feeling? We want to get to the place where you still feel like you're able to show up at 110%. So if you start to, to, at the end of the night, feel so depleted, then that is a clear sign that you're kind of, you're over capacity. Yeah. And I think that's such a good learning and it sucks because at the end of the day, this is not something that we can, we can teach you and we can tell you about it, but it's going to be a feeling that only you can really understand or really observe and make adjustments for Um, for me personally, I'm someone that likes to ease into my week and have like one or two calls. If I have that, we do have a ready, set coach call coming up on Monday, which I'm very excited about. And then I also, then I kind of go slowly through the week. And then Wednesdays and Thursdays, usually Wednesday is kind of a shit show. Like, I'm not going to lie. Wednesday is probably an always my busiest day. And then it's like a mountain and it starts declining. And by Friday, that's when I can start breathing again and I'm able to recap everything that happened and then ease me into the weekends. But I always like to give myself that wiggle room, both on the Monday and the Friday to not feel like I am catching my breath in a big way when like five o'clock Friday night happens. Yeah. So there's two tangible things that you guys can do to sort of try to map this out. Um, one is called a time tracker and this isn't you know, a crazy, you might've heard of this before, but really spend a week time tracking everything that you're doing in your business Um, from yes, client calls, but also the support it takes beyond the client calls to start to time track how much time you're spending on social media, et cetera. So that is one thing that's, that's pretty easy to track. The other thing, the other bonus that's going to be really helpful in terms of capacity is along with that time tracking, track your energy, start to take note that, okay, 
after client calls, I'm feeling depleted. Or after writing social media for two hours, I'm feeling like, let's go. Start to, (laughs) right? Like start to really get aware of how you operate. Because Emily nailed it on the head. We don't, we can't tell you what your capacity is. That's something you have to get to yourself. But as we play the role of your naggy moms, basically, one other friendly reminder that we're going to put in, and this is just a human necessity that a lot of times we forget about because we're business owners and we don't have time for me. We don't have time for self-care. We don't have time to fill our cup. I have a business to run and I have to be on the cover of Forbes by the time I'm 30 or I'm a failure. So with all those minds, all those ideas floating in your mind, drink water. Remember to drink water. Like, should we hit pause? I haven't drank water today. (laughs) Get yourself a huge water bottle drink at least two of these a day. And when you have to finish or when you finish the water bottle, get up, get up to drink more water. But I think one of the things in terms of capacity or or in terms of energy that I just want to harp on, because I'm so guilty of this, Lex, you're so guilty of this. This is something that we're always learning and evolving on, but it is monitoring our energy levels. And a lot of times those energy levels, what do they correspond to Lex? How we're feeling? No, they correspond to, have you eaten today? Oh, that's what I mean. Like how you're feeling. Like, like, okay. Sorry. I meant that, but (laughs) well, sure. Have Um, you had protein? Have you drank water? Have you slept? Yes. Yes. Good job. Have you showered? Do you feel put together? I think during the pandemic, it was so easy for us to kind of feel like a low energy, not only with the world blowing up, but the fact that we're in our pajamas, we're not dressed for the day. So putting yourself, when you think about your energy levels and monitoring your energy levels, like think about also what activates your, your energy levels. Mm, Great point. Great point. So we're talking about, we're kind of nailing the hammer, nailing the hammer on the head. Yeah. yeah, I think you got the hammer. hammer. Yeah. You know where I'm going with this guys. So some other things to consider to really start to understand capacity. Um, One, sit down and clearly identify how much time a singular client actually takes. That is accounting for things beyond the phone call. So do you take 30 minutes before a phone call prepping? Do you then take 45 minutes after a phone call? Is there any support you're providing in between? Write that down. That is something you can track, right? And you can start to play with some numbers there. Lex, how can people find out how to work with us? Super simple. Go to readysetcoachprogram.com, link in show notes. Another one I want to mention, um, and this is this is a harder one, but I have a piece of advice following this consideration, is, is this client a super user or a not super user? So, a super, Emily, will you tell them what a super user is? For sure. And I also, I just want to, before I, I tell them what a super user is, just remind you also about tracking this information. This is going to be fodder for when you give yourself a raise or you change your pricing. You're going to be like, oh, I was undercharging or undervaluing the time that I gave my clients. So super users, super users are the people that show up to every single event. If you host an event with an unlimited membership, <laughs> they're me when I was on class pass and it was unlimited class pass. Like I went seven days a week, sometimes twice a day. I would squeeze what was given to me. 
And that's what they are to you. They are taking advantage of every perk that you're providing them. They are, if you're giving them Slack access or Voxer access, they're probably on there the moment that they wake up to the moment that they go to sleep at night. So you're going to have super users, which is also going to be something that you're going to be need to be cognizant that your boundaries are in place because those are really good people to just test those boundary limits. And you want to be able to protect them in a gracious way. Then you're going to have the not super users. Funny enough, I find the people, I don't know if you agree with this, Lex, but it's usually like our pay in full clients or the people who end up like doing the highest programs. They're the ones that aren't super using as much. 1,005 billion percent, which right? is Yeah. Yeah. It is fascinating. Literally it's the pay in full client. I'm probably not a super user thinking of me as a user. You're probably a super user. I'm a MIDI. I'm a MIDI. Yeah. MIDI. Um, any, but anywho, the not super users are the people that you're like checking in on. You're like, you're alive. Like, did you get my homework that I sent? Do you want me to review any of the homework? I'm here on standby. You might wonder, like, are they getting value with what you're offering them? But these are just people who know what they want and they, they ask for what they want when they want it. Another word choice. And I'm not saying this in a negative way is high maintenance versus low maintenance. And honestly, that really affects your capacity. So a conversation I was having with a client recently, because with the PR bar, I only do one-on-one and we'll talk in a second about one-on-one versus group, but at the PR bar, I only do one-on-one. And she asked me how I define my capacity. And I told her my capacity isn't just set at, oh, I take four clients at a given time. My capacity changes based on my current client loads usage, meaning do I have three super users with me right now, or do I have three that are super low maintenance, then maybe I can take on a fourth. So it's something that I'm consistently evaluating every single quarter. Who do I have on my roster? How much time are they taking? Such a great, great way to phrase it, that it's not a, it's not a defined marked in the sand kind of thing. Like it's definitely something that evolves. So, so let's talk about one-on-one versus group a little bit too. That's, I was going to ask you that question. Where you going, I'm asking you that question. You always ask me the questions. Okay. So yes, one-on-one, you all know what it's like to have a one-on-one client. A one-on-one client is someone, as we just described, you, you could have a super user, you could have an under user, but you are holding space for one singular human. So that's me holding space for Lexi right now and being like, Lexi, how are we going to, you know, how are you doing with X, Y, and Z? We're talking feelings. We're talking emotions. We're talking action. We're talking strategy, whatever type of coach you are, you are in it for them. This is not your time for personal stories. This is a time to literally be of service. And Lex, it's a lot. Like I, I usually leave a, a coaching call and I'm like, oh my God, I need to like move my body. That was a lot. It's a lot, a lot of capacity. However, for other people, it might be like, wow, I could go run a marathon because I feel so lit up by that call. You might have different reactions dependent on your clients. You might have different reactions just based on how the conversation went and like the depth that you were having. That being said, it also can drain you because there's, it it takes a lot more clients one-on-one to get to sometimes your ideal number, right? So a group commitment, I love what a group commitment is, is you're holding space for multiple people. So it's usually not one star of the show who is grabbing your attention. You're sharing and you're dividing that energy equally. Yeah. And I think Emily and I learned our lesson 
not the hard way again, not in a negative way, but our cohort has evolved because the first version of Ready, Set, Coach, which is a group program, was very hybrid, meaning everyone got one-on-one support and group support. They got us editing individually every single homework assignment, us having one-on-one calls, us doing one-on-one Slack support. And that meant unintentionally, while we were trying to have a group, we were having a group and 10 one-on-one clients. And it was a lot. It was a lot, a lot. And yes, there were super users and not super users, but what we ended up doing, and we have a whole episode on how to extend life cycles of clients and different diversifying strategies of revenue is we've now landed on a tiered approach, meaning you have the option to upgrade for that one-on-one. And that allows us really to monitor and keep track of our capacity. Yes. And I, oh my gosh, I want to kind of go back to our young version of ourselves where we're like, yeah, this isn't going to be that much work. And then when you looked and we tracked our hours, we were both essentially having yeah, we were having like full on coaching, one on one coaching sessions daily with people, and then also copy editors and providing feedback and support on Slack. That like our businesses took a very, very, very backseat to these individuals' businesses. Yeah, so it, it was a lot, and and basically, one thing I want to pull from this is to be very mindful when you're creating your containers, whether they be group or one-on-one on the support that you're offering and the structure and the boundaries that you have in place. It's great to want to offer your clients 24, seven hours or throw, throw everything at the kitchen sink. But the reality is if you do, and then all of a sudden you get a bunch of super users, you're going to be depleted. And to be honest, you're likely not going to be showing up to them, showing up for them at 110%. So it's really to your benefit to their benefit, to have those boundaries um, in place to protect your capacity so that when you are showing up, you're showing up for the the full human and coach that they want to work with. Amen. 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 Preach. Um, (laughs) So speaking of boundaries and capacity, my dog wants out of this room. Let's see. No, she's fine. She's okay. I, I digress. She was at the door, but she's like, Emily, mom's on a call. So I'm going to just lay down and not bother her during this thing. So that is the work-life balance peeps. That is work-life balance. So let's talk about work-life balance a little bit more. What does it mean? What does work-life balance mean, Lex? Is it real? Uh, I think it's subjective, um, entirely. And I think this kind of goes back to the first point we were chatting through on how your capacity can change in different seasons of life. I think work-life balance looks different for different people. And I think it's okay. And I think you're allowed to have your own opinion of what that looks like for you. So for some, that might be a four-day work week. For others, it might be working from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. so you can pick up your kids after school. What work-life balance means to you is what it means to you. So that's the the first point I want to make, kind of piggybacking off that, that directly affects your capacity. Because if you've outlined your working hours in such a way that you're only working for five hours a day, that's obviously going to affect the amount of clients or the client load you can take on. Yes, 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 yes. And it is, 
it is also something that I want we want to provide you permission with to evolve that will evolve. As we mentioned earlier, there are different seasons of your life and different seasons of your business that are going to feel like, oh my God, I want to work 24 seven because I am launching this business. And that's really important for me to, to work 24 seven, because I know in eight months, I plan on having a baby and I want it to be on autopilot. So, um, give yourself that grace that it can ebb and it can't can flow with the seasons, but also be a realistic that this is just, again, a, another permission slip for everyone. Like your, your work doesn't have to be all that you do. Team work to live, not live to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's hard again, you're like, oh, Emily, I'm starting a business. Lex, I'm starting a business. Like that is my identity. That is who I, what I am doing. And again, that is a season of your life currently, but with time and with money and with investments and with, um, systems like that will evolve. And I, I, I'm going to give a personal experience too. Like before I had a kid, I truly was like, I have no problem working all the time. I love working. What else would I do? I have no hobbies. I didn't have core power at this point in my life, guys. <laughs> but truly I was like, I don't have hobbies like reading and sleeping and working are my hobbies. And I like doing it. So why, like, why should I penalize myself or get mad at myself if I don't want to work all the time? And it wasn't until my life involved taking care of a small, tiny tyrant where I had to, I had to stop my day or I had to be the child care or pick him up from child care, um, at a certain time. And back to what we were talking about earlier about multitasking, like in those moments, I've made a commitment to myself to be present because these are very fleeting moments that are, again, is a part of a season of my life. Um, and we'll evolve as he evolves, as I evolves, as my family evolves. Yeah. I mean, that personal, personal story, Emily, um, that sounded sarcastic, but I didn't mean it to sound sarcastic. <laughs> my bad. Um, I just was, was thinking there's, if there's anything else we kind of want to touch on here. Um, I think that the big soapbox that Emily and I are making in this episode is that capacity, client capacity, the question of how to determine your client capacity and coaching, client capacity and coaching, client capacity and coaching, just kidding, is not black and white. It is something that you have the power to control. It's something you're going to learn over time. And it's something that's going to be ever evolving. That being said, we did give you some tangible things today that I'm going to remind you as your homework. And I think the first and most helpful thing to do is to do that two-part audit. One part-time auditing and pairing that with energy auditing. Energy auditing. Great job. Beautifully said. And so with that, our takeaway with the homework is just to hear back from you all. We love hearing the DMs that we've been getting from you with the experience, with the, the implementation of the homework. And we will see you the next time. On the Ready, Set, Coach, Coach Podcast. If you're enjoying the Ready, Set, Coach podcast, please leave a review wherever you are listening. For more information about Ready, Set, Coach, visit readysetcoachprogram.com.